you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Kyler Bingham and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. On today's show, I was very excited to talk to Ian Seabrook, who is an underwater cinematographer. Currently, he has two major films out in theaters, uh, Disney's Jungle Cruise and also M. Night Shyamalan's latest film, Old. They both came out um, in theaters at the end of July. So uh, he did the underwater sequences for those films. I want you to go to his IMDb page, though, and just see the incredible amount of work he's done on documentary films, um, all kinds of narrative work, just to name a few. He, um, he worked on Batman versus Superman, Deadpool two, um, it chapter two. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, very incredible, um, career that Ian's had very excited to talk to him. Um, I was just very curious on how he ended up doing this very specific, um, form of photography. So we will jump right into that. I do want to apologize in the interview. I keep referring to the film Jungle Cruise as the Jungle Book. I know it's the Jungle Cruise. I love that ride. Um, I must have been nervous or something. So uh, forgive me for that. It is the Jungle Cruise. Check it out um, in theaters um, or on Disney+. Plus. Okay, so without further ado, let's talk to Ian Seabrook on the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. <laughs> So I was really intrigued when I when I heard about you and and your career. Um, you came wind to me through uh, the Jungle Book, huge movie that's um, that's out um, for being. Oh, the, Jungle Cruise, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. Based, based off the big, I should get that right. Yeah, based off the big uh, Disneyland ride. You know, I think a lot of us growing up as kids, that was like a staple and one of the few things that's still around at the original park. So yeah, um, very, very cool uh, project. And I, I think just how specific the line of work that you've chosen, the projects you've been a part of being the underwater uh, cinematographer. So uh, that was the main thing I wanted to talk to you about is just your career in general. I was going through your IMDb page and just like kept scrolling and kept scrolling and kept scrolling and so many films that I've seen and I loved and, um, yeah, I'm just really interested in how you came to specifically underwater photography. Uh, well, it started uh, at an early age when I was, uh, watching a lot of the Disney nature programs or documentaries, uh, also James Bond movies like Thunderball. Um, and then, um, being interested in photography and learning how to develop um, negatives in the dark room and, uh, and then also just taking that underwater because I didn't, I mean, I, there weren't a lot of books, instructional books. There was no one who could tell you how to do it. Uh, it was an unknown area, whereas there was a lot of other areas of photography that were, you know, this is how you take a photo. This is how you select the aperture, et cetera, et cetera. For underwater, there seemed to be less information around. So I guess the ch that was, you know, that became a challenge to find out about that. Um, when I first took a camera underwater, still camera underwater, was probably late 1980s in Australia when I was living there on the Great Barrier Reef. And uh, I still have the slide. I took slides. It didn't take just um, print film, but uh, I still have the slides. And, you know, it's mostly bleached coral or it's not that interesting, but, it, it, you know, uh, but at least I, I was like, oh, okay, I can see what I was kind of trying to do there compositionally. But um, 
so that was, you know, the first time I did it. And I was like, well, I want to learn more about that. So I saved up enough money and bought myself an underwater still camera, you know, specifically made for that. Uh, it wasn't a house little uh, Instamatic camera like I'd taken underwater in Australia. So this is a Nikonis camera that's purpose, purpose built by Nikon to go underwater. It was developed by Jacques Cousteau. Uh, it, it, at that point, it had been through five uh, sort of variations of it. I think I had the Nikonis 5. So it started off one, two, three, four, five. Um, so, um, and then, you know, saved up enough money to buy a lens. Uh, you know, it was all very expensive and, um, but my interest was still quite um, strong with it. So uh, I did a few dive charters and learned how to use it. And basically, so started doing a lot more photography and um, uh, did a few dive charters where, you know, we went to, uh, Costa Rica, Cocos Island, um, the Channel Islands of, Cal of California, and I got to watch uh, the preeminent pre pre uh, underwater photographer, David Dublay, who shoots for National Geographic. Um, he is probably the, the best underwater uh, photographer, still photographer. And so he was on the boat uh, and a few of the dives, I just watched what he was doing. He had about seven or eight camera housings with different lenses in them. And he would give his assistant, you know, a four or a five indicating what housing he wanted. And that assistant had all the housings like shackled to him. So he would like pass them whatever the number he would just hold his finger up and say, I want number two. So he'd give number two. So um, at that point, I was starting to get into the film industry. I mean, I, the first thing I ever worked on uh, as an unpaid intern was the second unit of the American remake of La Femme Nikita, mm -hmm. uh, Luc Besson's film. Yeah. And that was called Point of No Return. And they had Bridget Fonda in it. And uh, so I was, you know, I was one of five or four unpaid interns running around trying to service the assistants that were uh, on that job, which was a union job. We were all trying to get into the union. It was impossible back then. It was a lot of money. And, you know, it was just, it was a different climate at that point. So um, I did get in uh, to the union eventually and um, started um, putting the camera together on the surface, learning how to do that as a housing technician, which basically means you're taking the, the cinema camera, the, the film camera, and you're, you're uh, putting it inside the housing and sealing the housing and making sure that it doesn't leak. That's the number one priority. Uh, I'd already had a lot of that experience with my still camera housings and still cameras um, because after I started uh, taking just the one purpose-built underwater camera underwater, then I, you know, I looked at what the professionals were using and they were mostly using that camera I had as a secondary or backup camera. So what they were really using was, a, you know, an, an SLR in a housing um, with, you know, quite, uh, expensive glass like Nikon or, or whatever they were shooting. Nikon seemed to be the, the best glass out there. But anyway, so I said, okay, the professionals are using this, then that's what I'm going to try to aspire to use as well. So uh, yeah, I ended up getting, so I had a lot of experience being on boats, loading film in sea and spray and, you know, rocking everywhere. So when I transitioned to doing that uh, with a motion picture camera, I had already um, sort of ingrained the, the, um, 
the process had already been kind of ingrained in my head a little bit. So even though it was the larger footprint with the motion picture camera, uh, I still knew about O-rings and what not to do. So um, my success rate at that point with flooding housings was was pretty good. I, I wasn't going to be the person who's going to just say, oh, that looks cool, and then put it together incorrectly and then flood it. So because uh, the damage for uh, salt water or any other kind of water on a motion picture camera is astronomical compared to a stills film camera so sure so uh, and then that you know i started then i got my uh, first opportunity to start shooting um probably was 98 and i think it was a bud light commercial um and then after that the first film i shot underwater was a hellraiser sequel i don't i can't remember if it was four or five but um it was a it was a, a sequence that is has been relatively common um since then but it's people trapped in a car on that before so it was a learn there was a, a learning curve and we had a cast member who was not comfortable being in the water so we had to move uh the we had to stage the action in a shallower end of the water um of the pool and uh basically um we put we could not put her in a car we had to take the, the doors apart and uh sit her in a shallow area and and sort of um prop up the door to pretend like she was sitting in the car and then i just used a really a, lo a, lo a longer lens to shoot and uh, i mean because if i didn't use a longer lens you could see there was no car there mm -hmm. so i mean i learned a lot on that job even though it was a silly movie but you know <laughs> you're supposed to you're supposed to learn <laughs> sure. and i did i did learn that uh, on that job so well, yeah, that's great. So it sounds like you just kind of like a, an interest in obviously the underwater photography kind of took you um, from one place to the next. Um, I have a background in, in still photography. So I think I was kind of like one of the last waves to actually learn in the classroom how to, um, you know, develop film and, 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 you know, do your own slide work and all that stuff. So this is like, a, I want to say 2000, 2001. Um, so I, I just remember at the time there was just a huge de debate and I'm, you know, probably ad nauseum, uh, people in the business are sick of talking about like the, the technology end of it, as far as like digital versus film. But I was just, especially in your field, I was curious, um, you know, the, the transition, it must've been in a lot of ways, um, you know, I don't know if I don't easier. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, not having to load actual film canisters and and um you know and whatnot the switch to digital um or are you still shooting on film like currently i'm just curious depending on the project it depends on the project and i most recently shot motion picture film on the m night Shyamalan picture called old which is in theaters right now right um so that was great to uh i love i mean film film is my preferred medium but of course you know i don't I'm not dictating the budget of the show. And so more often than not, they're going digital because of, you know, that's just the way things have sort of transitioned. But, uh, um, you know, to look through the viewfinder, the reflex viewfinder, to see the shutter spinning, to hear the purring of the motor, uh, that's all that stuff is music, music and uh, sights to my ears. Uh, sorry, that doesn't come out right. <laughs> it's all music to my ears. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, the opportunity, I mean, the digital, uh, era has really i mean the cameras change every six months but uh it certainly has uh changed the way the footprint of the industry has gone and i mean there's 
definite benefits uh, on one hand, if you, especially if you're a cinematographer, uh, you can you know, have to be uh, sleeping or not sleeping because you're not sure if it was exposed properly or if your printing lights are incorrect or you know, if the lighting was any good, you, you, whereas digital, you'll see the results immediately. You can correct or change things. So the problem with that, I think, is far too many people at the monitor uh, being uh, armchair quarterbacks about that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. whereas before there seemed to be, it wasn't like it was a, there was a mystique, but there seemed to be more of an, um, an art behind the cinematographer's uh, prowess on set in that you you know, you, there was a lot of trust, you know, you would trust the camera operator. You, if you're the cam- cinematographer and you were not looking through the lens, you would trust the operator. If you didn't have a video feed, um, you know, they were going to be composing uh, what you wanted. Or if you were the, the director, you were, you were, you know, relying or trusting the cinematographer would expose or give you the lighting that you wanted for the scene. So all that's kind of gone away because everybody can see everything. Um, and it's not like, you know, they're trying to pull a fast one over the director or anything, but it's, it just sort of, um, I think some of the art, the artistry has been kind of removed from the process a little bit. Um, and you know, when you're taking still photographs and, you know, I have a, like a monochrome M10 that I take, that I travel with, uh, I do have a housing for it, but it, you know, when I take, when I take photos, when I just out of, you know, the pleasure of actually taking photographs. Um, that camera, it, it makes you work for your photographs instead of just, you know, using your phone. Phone's great. I mean, the technology behind the phones are fantastic, but in, in any other kind of digital camera, it's just, I think I like more of a challenge or I was used to making it more difficult. So when it's super easy, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know, is there more I should do here or do I just push the button and let it go? Um, uh, there was an underwater Leica, I think that came out. It was called the X u or the ux1 or something like that i can't remember i did buy it when it came out but it was very uh it was very finicky and also you know since the the megapixel uh, and the, the advances of the all the sensors and stuff got better as soon as that camera came out i was like mm, okay time to sell this <laughs> but you know but um but yeah no i think that uh go ahead sorry Oh no! I just like that. That's an what I, I one point I wanted to ask you was just. Um, it sounds like obviously you still have a love oh. of photography and just doing it on your own, like on a personal level. So yeah. I, I'm kind of curious um, what types, or or maybe I should ask what locations around the world have really like blown you away as your photography, you like taking photographs and um, maybe where would you like to go back to revisit and spend more time um yeah just kind of on a personal level what do you like to shoot uh well i mean i like a lot of um architecture i like shooting at dusk i like available light i like um you know i've been to iceland i've been to guam there was some interesting stuff there we were hiking around uh, just some structures that had been left there um so that kind of thing i mean it's all everybody's photography is so interpersonal it's all um you know some people are into portraiture i'm not so into that and i don't think i don't even know if i'd be any good at it so i i guess it's it's depending on whatever is in your wheelhouse right mm-hmm. just sorry one second <laughs> my wife's giving me something here so Thank you. Okay. Um, but 
underwater photography wise, I'd say the Channel Islands in Southern California, and also Cocos uh, Island in, in Costa Rica. That was, you know, when I was swimming with 200, a school of 200 hammerhead sharks. That's pretty spellbinding. You, can, you really don't even have any words after, uh, after you see something like that underwater. That your all your settings, your focus, and your aperture are all set before you're. You can't be fiddling with your um, your controls while you're uh, trying to capture that kind of thing. Um, I actually did a dive once at night where I was. Uh, there was only two of us that were diving in Costa Rica on the shallower part of the reef, which at that point was 50 feet. I think we'd been doing like 150 foot dives most of the day. Uh, or you start the day with the deepest dive and then you kind of get gradually less uh, less deep as you go. Otherwise you're going to be completely saturated with nitrogen. But uh, we, so, you know, and it was like the sharks come into the reef at night to feed. And I remember uh, trying, I had a macro lens. I was trying to get a photograph of some nudibranchs, which are like sea slugs or sea snails. And uh, I felt this like shifting or wishing beside me and I kind of looked over and there was a, there was a giant, there was a shark there trying to, you know, get at whatever I was photographing. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, fish on the, on the reef that spin a membrane around each other, uh, sorry, around themselves as a protection when they're going to sleep. They kind of bury themselves in a cove somewhere and spin this membrane around the, themselves for protection while the sharks didn't, they can, they can sense all this, all this movement or breathing or whatever. So. Uh, and then I, I was like, what? So I, I kind of like, I had a, a strobe, a strobe modeling light on and I tilted the light up and all I saw was like 80 sharks all swimming around, swarming and, and then noodling all around the parts of the rocky reef and stuff. And then I, and then I was like, holy, you know, F-bomb. And then I <laughs> kind of panned around a bit more and there was another 85 to the left of me. So oh I thought, oh, I better get out of here. I'm just being surrounded by sharks. So I... I finned off the reef and I ended up booting one of them right in the mouth. <laughs> and it was no different from kicking a tire. It didn't oh. even flinch really. It was just, it was just like, I, I hauled ass and just got out of there. And then I met up with the other guy that I, that, who somehow we got separated, which is like the awesome part of, you know, the whole dive buddy system. It's like, you know, what's the point of it? Well, yeah, when you don't have a buddy, <laughs> there's no point to it. You might as well just be doing it on your own. But so his eyes were about as big as Richard Dreyfus's on the cage and, and during that sequence and Jaws. He, he had just was freaking out. And I said, Tim, you know, are you okay? Let's calm down. Everybody okay? And he's like, Yeah. And I said, Do you want to go up or do you want to go down? And he looked at me a little bit sideways and I said, I want to go back down. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so he didn't really follow me. He stayed above me. But going, I got to tell you, descending back into that snake pit full of sharks, about 120 sharks wow. feeding at night, descending back into that voluntarily, that took a little bit of nerves, um, especially when I got down into the thick of it. Uh, they were bumping into me and, um, you know, they would chew on your hoses and then they would realize that there wasn't anything they wanted in their mouth and then they would... Uh, so for sure they were they were checking me out as much as I was, and I just tried to concentrate on shooting what I was down there to do, but it made it difficult by you know their activity and their swarming around and stuff. I had the wrong lens to shoot all of them, of course. So it's like, well, I oh, could no. shoot these great panoramas with all the sharks, but I had a sixty or a one hundred five macro lens on, so it's like you're not going to get anything there. So anyway, wow. But you know, as far as shooting film and digital. Uh, 
I will, I'll shoot whatever I'm told, obviously, or whatever the project is. Jungle Cruise, for example, was a digital picture. The camera we used on that was the Airy Alexa SXD Plus, and then we shot it with anamorphic lenses. So I always strive to shoot the same camera and lens package that the main unit is photographing whenever, whatever I'm working on. Um, you know, I don't go in there and say, well, you know, I have this camera and I have this housing, therefore that's what we're going to use. That's never going to fly. So you have to, you know, even though the sequence is different, the underwater sequence is different. It's, it's supposed to be a different chunk of the film or the storyline. It still should, you know, the lenses are, should be the same. I think, um, sometimes the lenses are so huge that they can't, I can't physically fit them in the camera housing. So we have to find, you know, if it's an anamorphic film and the lenses they're using are really long, then we have to find a shorter version of those lenses. And if that doesn't exist, then we try to find other anamorphic lenses that fit somewhat the profile of what the cameraman is shooting on the main unit. Excellent. Um, I guess as we wrap up, I'm just curious, um, you know, you're, you've, you're, you've um, worked on two of the biggest films of the year. So we have Jungle Book and Old. Um, anything and it sounds like obviously very two very different projects. Um, anything you want to say about either or bo both of them as yeah. we wrap up? Uh, they were, uh, well, Jungle Cruise was shot in 2018 in September. So that was almost three years ago. Uh, and then, of course, it sat in dry dock for a bit while everybody, every, every other film sat in dry dock while the, the theaters tried to figure out, what, the distributors tried to figure out what was going on with how they're going to exhibit these projects. Uh, theatrically, um, and now of course Disney has the dual profile of doing it on online as well as in the theater. So I, um, I'm glad that the film finally got released. Uh, I don't think it's what everybody wanted, but I think they wanted, um, you know, a lot more box office uh, activity, and I think that that's still quite not there yet. Old was done in November of 2019. I had just finished uh, doing work on the upcoming film of The Rescue, which is the follow-up or sophomore film from the two directors that won the Oscar for Free Solo. It's Elizabeth Chai, Vassar Halle, and Jimmy Chin. And this is the story of the wild boar soccer team in Thailand where they uh, were trapped in the cave and the rescue uh, the rescue operation that um followed or ensued um and that will be out in october right as well um that was a very interesting project and so being republic for old uh, i had already previously worked with m night Shyamalan on another picture called glass which was shot in his native uh, philadelphia and um, so, and also, I think it was the third time or fourth time I worked with his, his DP, Mike Jalakis. So um, both were great. Both involved tunnels. Both involved cast in tunnels. Uh, so it was confined spaces, uh, not a lot of light. And so that was the conditions to work with. But um, what I do want to say is that given the fact that you are in Salt Lake City, mm -hmm. uh, I am directing and shooting and producing a documentary on one of your or the, the state's Utah, the wonderful state of Utah, mm. uh, residents, longtime residents, his name is Mark Twite. He is an American alpinist legend. And so we've been working on this film probably since 2017. Um, um, it's all self-funded, which is why it's still being made. <laughs> it still takes some time <laughs> to be made, but, uh -huh. um, and, uh, you know, I have, um, 
I have some collaborators of, of Mark and myself. I've known Mark since probably since 2006 or so. And, uh, you know, I took some courses when he was, uh, when he was working with Jim Jones, he's no longer there, but you know, Mark has been a very important part of my life as far as my physical, um, ability and the fact that for this job, uh, you need to be very physically capable in mm -hmm. order to, you know, your fitness levels have to be at such that you can swim for uh, however long the shot is or however long your, your, your job requires you to do so. And also pushing the camera housing and lifting it 80 pound camera housing out of the water and all that other <laughs> kind of stuff. So, you know, Mark has been, uh, he's been training me since, you know, probably 06 or so. So, uh, he's a very big part of my life. Anyway, that's I just good. wanted to plug that. Because oh yeah. A, I'm going to definitely keep an eye out for that. That's, a, that's, a, that's incredible. That's Salt great. Lake, Salt Lake, you know, we've done some shooting back at the yeah. original site where that happened and it's still the relic of the building is still there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, so I've been to Salt Lake several times uh, to great. interview him and to uh, film around the area and stuff like that. So it's great. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I live right right yeah. near downtown. So um, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'll so, definitely keep an eye out for that. I mean, that makes me. Yeah, that's exciting. Very yeah, cool. That'll be a few years later. I, I mean, a few years down the road. I mean, we uh -huh. still have. I still have a few more interviews to do, and then I basically I had an editor for a while, but then we're taking we're taking a bit of a break. I'm all, I'm really working on it when I'm not working on any other jobs I'm doing. I mean, I was in New Mexico for all of 2019 on a, a film called BIOS, which I guess got retitled to Finch, which has got Tom Hanks in it, which will be on Apple, Apple TV plus, I guess it is. It'll be in October. So um, I shot the second unit on that film. And then I also shot the second unit on army of the dead, which uh the Zack Snyder film, which uh, came out on Netflix, which is already out on Netflix. So I, the, I didn't, I don't even think I did any work on the documentary at all during that time frame because mm -hmm. I was just too busy. I always make the attempt that you know I was editing it or I was doing something with it on the weekends when I was not working. But uh, when the workload got more and we had to shoot on the weekends, it was just impossible. So yeah. when you're the only one doing everything, it's it's just uh, you know you need to have either you need to take five years of your life off to do it <laughs> or you need to. Uh, you know, and then how are you going to pay for all of it? So, sure. yeah. you know, it's just, that's why it's a passion project. And I'm hoping to, I'm hoping that it gets, you know, I'm, you know, I do want to finish it, but I mean, I want to take, take the time to, to make it right. So. Sure. No, that's, a, that's incredible. That's uh, yeah. Very cool. I can't wait to see that down the road. Um, well, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I mean, this is such an incredible career and I, I could just listen to you, uh, for on it like hours. Cause it's, it's just so fascinating. It's so specific um of a career that you that you've been able to have so um i wish you the best and yeah thank you so much for taking the time um everyone should go see uh jungle book and old and definitely keep an eye out for um ian seabrook's jungle, work jungle cruise can i say jungle book <laughs> oh. because there's a movie called jungle book already but it, i'm gonna I'll have to cut that enough. out the second time i I, yeah. I don't forgive myself doing it twice <laughs> that's, that's funny that's cool <clears throat> jungle cruise and old um, check it out, everybody. <laughs> okay. Ian, thank you. Great. Thanks very much. Great talking. To yeah. You. Okay. Have a great one.